Welcome to day one of I Am Talks Kona Super Specials 2018. Righty, team, welcome along to day one of the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials 2018. John, people are looking at us weirdly. They are indeed. We're yeah. sitting in just a corner of the King Cam Hotel, which is the central spot of uh, all things Iron Man in the town of Kona this weekend. And we are sitting in the central area and people, again, just looking at us weirdly. <laughs> so, uh, the Kona Super Specials, I Am Talk Kona Super Specials, are proudly brought to you by... Extreme sports travel yeah if you are looking to go somewhere around the world to do a great trip and you kind of want to be looked after and held along the way extreme sports travel is king glass great experience around that and a new sponsor you're going to hear a bit about over the next few days is huso and we're not even sure if that pronunciation is 100 percent correct we're going to find out uh, from those guys bevan you've had a little bit of a listen into them yeah it's, it's kind of the idea of using sound and you know those types of tools to actually as a recovery tool in in what we're doing and, and actually it's pretty interesting stuff so we'll be looking and talking to those guys over the next few days we've lava got, java and we've just come from there right now I had a pretty good salad great salad. you can go for your protein I did, no, I wasn't that hungry, so I, I omitted the protein. Why, why were you hungry? Because I was a little, little piggy on the plane. <laughs> a little uh, piggy on the plane. And so, love Java, love their salads. And then we've got our favourite sponsor, long-term sponsor, Ahu John. Extreme endurance. Oh, acting buffer. Okay, John, so today we've got a few things happening, but tell me a little bit about what's happening on today's show. So we literally touched down in Kona. We just made our connection in the Honolulu Airport. It was a bit of a run. We came through and uh, Bevan said, final call, final call. And we had to run over to our plane. It was a bit of an Just get on. Yep. Straight off the plane then we went to the team new zealand and team australia uh morning tea that they had so great chance to see all for, for all the age groupers to get together but good for us because we did a few interviews with uh some age groupers and some pros we had Braden curry bevan had a chat with Crowley, um Crowley, uh, and we've got uh some other interesting ones there as well so a mix of Age Mike Phillips. Pros. Mike Phillips as well. I've got to say, it was pretty cool. So they've put it together with New Zealand and Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's now Australasia, not just individual countries. But it was, who was the guy who ran it? Pete Murray. He does he does the voice work for most of the Australian and some of the Asian He did Asian a really good job. You know, they basically talked for probably close to an hour, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And they got lots of different people up. But um, there were a couple of emotional moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a really, you know, it, it's a big week being in Kona. And for a lot of people being here the first time, for us who have been here around the your traps a few times, it's, it's the same old in some ways, but he did a great job of just kind of capturing the moment, sharing some of the experiences of some of the, the people who are age group athletes and interviewing the pros, and just created a pretty cool feel. He did, and it's the only chance really for the week for a team actually to get together. So a lot of countries don't have this, um, so it's a chance for all the Kiwis, all the Aussies to get together and uh, share some war stories, share some experiences. Uh, Bevan, we've seen lots of people has been walking down. I saw Steve Marshall just before walking along the street. He said, John, I'm talk, great stuff. Tell your co-host to slow down so you can understand him. Tell him, he says, tell him to speed under- up. I, I want to understand him, but I can only understand about 50% of what he says. And so it's 50% your challenge, gold. Bevan, is to slow gonna, down. Been doing this We've show? got new listeners. How long have been, how long? doesn't matter. We've how, got new listeners this week. So one, one thing I will down. say, we do have to give one person a bit of slow crap. Down. Someone a bit of crap. Why? Who? Andrew Charles. I know we'll, come, no, we'll save that story. Okay. We'll that we're saving that? Yes. Okay, because there's a great story, which is quite applicable to this show a while ago, uh, which has got John ranting. 
to get me ranting? Is we'll there's your hint. There's your clue. There's your clue. So we've we've done the Team New Zealand uh, stuff. With then we're going off shortly to Bahrain Endurance. They're having a sort of press um, meet and greet. So hopefully we're going to gather lots of the interviews with the Bahrain team there. Fingers crossed. So you'll hear them later in the show. And also I'll be having an interview with uh, no, both will with Kevin Collington. So he's an American pro and he's sort of one of those guys a lot of you won't have heard about. And that's one of the things I like doing in Kona is. Uh, talking to some of the pros we don't know too much around. Uh, here's an Ironman winner, uh, and I'm sure he's got aspirations of being in the top 10. Okay, so I'm talking show organisation here. Are we going to stop now, do the interviews, and come back and We are. We've got a f- yep, we are. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to put some of the interviews up. I'm not quite sure of the order because we're recording this part early in the day, and uh, not all the interviews are done. So we'll get a few interviews, and you'll hear from us again in a few minutes' time. That's good. Um, what's it like being here not racing? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit odd, of course, you know, um, I've, I've kind of uh, making the most of it. It's obviously a little bit of a process dealing with it all, seeing some really, really fit people and, uh, and wanting to be part of it. But, um, you know, I did my first ride on the bike today, so uh, things are uh, up, looking up and better, so I'm, I'm, you know, in good spirits. What, what emotionally was it like when you found out you had the injury? Yeah, obviously it's a bit, a bit tough, um, more than a bit tough actually, I mean it's, uh, you know, you come off the high um, from a race the last week and then you jump off a plane and all of a sudden you, you're sitting on the couch 24-7 more or less, um, which is, it was a bummer, um, if you ask my wife I think <laughs> she probably thinks it was worse than that, um, but yeah that's where I'm grateful for my family for, for pulling me through and making me see the bright side because in the end you can't change it and uh, just have to deal with it. Just if you were racing, how would you be approaching the race this weekend with the field that's out there? Um, aggressively. Uh, I had my race strategy all planned out and uh, trained accordingly. I um, hadn't actually played that race strategy yet that I wanted to, to play here and um, was looking to you know, really surprise the, the boys, but um, not to be, maybe next year. I've just got you over for an email back and I was just asking what's it like to walk into a place and particularly this week is pretty obvious but imagine you're, you're pretty famous even in Germany to walk in a place where everybody knows you. It's alright you know it used to be a part of my motivation to get to the stage and um, I, uh, now that I've got it it's, it's no longer a motivation uh, that's for sure and it, it, it becomes tough at times especially when you've got family. Um, and the only time I really mind it is when I'm eating, because people always watch what I'm eating. Oh, really? And um, you feel like your plate is getting judged every time. Like, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's not that I really care what people think anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, you certainly couldn't enjoy cho- chocolate pancakes the morning, <laughs> the morning before the breakfast, yeah, before the race if you really wanted to. Um, you know, it's, it's the ups and downs, and I, it, in, in sport, it's generally important what kind of spin you put on it for yourself, because um, that generally ends up being your reality. And if I tell myself it's cool, it's good, and this is why I do it, then um, my mind believes that, and, and, and that's really what I care about. You know, it's um, trying to be positive and, and making the most out of any situation. Can you tell me, in that 70.3, you're, you're bloody phenomenal. In that moment, you, 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 got, you guys are killing it. Where do you go within yourself? Like, like within yourself, within your head. Where are you going when you're, you're in that last part of that 70.3, you're just beating the shit out of yourself. You're like, what, 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 what motivates you in that moment? Um... You know, it's it, it's one of those things because from the outside it always looks very different to what it actually is. You know, I just I just love the process, and then having the day where it all comes together is is just the most phenomenal and rewarding feeling of all. But you know, it it, it doesn't really feel um, it feels special in the sense that it's unique, that it's euphoric, that it's great. But it doesn't feel like you know outer worldly or whatever it's it's described at. So 
sometimes it's funny reading the reports about it afterwards where people are just going crazy on the internet and you're like, yeah, man, it was a really cool day and it was like emotions and I'll, I'll for sure keep them with me. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good feeling to maybe pop a bottle of champagne with, uh, with some friends and, you know, uh, kick some shit about it. But, but really, that's all that happens. Just, just lastly, um, what was the key to you winning that race? Um, really staying within myself, um, not not getting into anyone else's mind games. You know, I started thinking about, obviously on the run, how many times I've been out kicked and where the guys might come and what they might do. And I was just like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to stay off the front. And anybody that's going to come past, I'm, I'm just going to bite into your calf and take a chunk out and see how far you can go. And I was always looking for Javier to come, but not in a worried kind of way and um, I think that was the the key to to success for me just um, just staying true to what I can do what I can influence and that's only my performance oh, good work mate well you're a bloody legend mate and hopefully we'll see you back strong fit next year sounds good hey I've got Daniela here how are you feeling how are you feeling today yeah I'm good uh, I'm uh, very excited uh, for the race um, so yeah, that's. You, you've been back a few times now. Is there a process that you go through leading up to race week? Is it very much just the same thing each time, or what are you learning each year you come back? Uh, yeah, definitely learned a few things. I mean, uh, the race week it is important to you know kind of keep it a bit relaxed, keep it uh, a bit quiet, but you still you know have to do a few things. So I, I think the coordination has been this year really good. I had a have a great team who helped me to you know coordinate everything and to you know get that feeling of you know not having too much to do but uh, still uh, you know feeling like you're ready ready to go out there and uh, smash it so yeah it's been really good um, definitely learn everything every year you learn something more that's for sure yeah you know for you you uh, you know how to be successful in this race what, what, what how do you define success on the weekend um, I mean yeah this race I guess to be successful on that race, it's the preparation is one big part of it. Um, you want to be at your best, um, in, in best shape possible to, to be able to, to race well. It's uh, very humid and warm, um, so that's something I just try to get used to it, and that always helped me a lot to, to be adjusted and uh, not being you know chat chat lagged or um, not used to the heat. And um, yeah, and then of course have that little respect from the race. Uh, even if you've done it five or ten times, it's important to always respect the race. It's a very tough one, and so to be aware that it is going to be hard and windy and hot this helps on race day. There's an expectation you turn up and you win. You know that's the expectation that's out there right now, and I'm sure you have a belief in yourself. What what, what what's your feelings around that expectation? To be honest, I uh, I don't really feel too much expectation anymore. Um, I feel actually very grateful what I could achieve in the last few years. Um, when I came here, I kind of realized a bit how how this race and this island actually changed my life, and I just feel very yeah very thankful to be here to have the opportunity to sh to know to show another race, um, hopefully a great race. That's my goal, of course. I I'd like to yeah maybe um, show another performance which people can remember. That's that's um, my big goal, and uh, hopefully uh, I can do that on Saturday. Looking at the men's race, uh, your thoughts on the men's race. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. It's definitely going to be tactical. I'm, uh, I don't know what's going to happen on the bike, but I mean, Sebi and Lionel, I think they're going to really go hard, and um, and then some other guys, you know, um, have the chance to maybe you know back it up earlier or later. And so yeah, it's very open. I think uh, 
um, I would love to watch it, but I guess I'll be busy myself. So um, I'll uh, I'll be interested to find out when I hopefully cross the finish line who uh, wins the race in the men's, of course. Yeah. We have a lot of age group listeners listening today. Um, just what would be your tip to the person who's doing Ironman Kona for the first time? Um, don't be afraid. Um, go out there and you know sh- you know try try to enjoy it it's it is a hard race but don't be afraid um, but yeah show it enough respect um, look after yourself with nutrition and just stay calm um, every time in the race you'll have a bad moment um, but it's about how you handle that moment and I hope uh, yeah that, that makes you stronger when you handle these tough conditions hey, thank you for your time good luck on the weekend thank you, thank you. Raise uh, someone who was really really fit really strong that day and Braden did an amazing job and he was just faster than me but um, I think I was happy with how the race went on the bike and nutrition-wise and just uh, had some muscle problems. The last 10K, um, to be honest, my preparation was building towards this race and I haven't had enough long runs yet. At that time, uh, hopefully now I'm better at that. Um, and yeah, I learned it's a long day that you go through lots of different emotions and you go from feeling good to feeling bad to good again, And but you have to keep focusing and keep going and keep pushing through the tough times. Uh, in your preparation, how long have you come over for and have you done, or have you done camps over here during the year? Uh, yeah, well I've, I've done different training camps and uh, after 70.3 I was in the south of Spain training in the heat and um, yeah, other times I was at home like moving around a little bit but uh, I think the preparation went pretty well and yeah, it's my first time here so it's hard to know what to expect but uh, I'm excited and I think I'm fit. And uh, the 70.3 champs, obviously you didn't get the win, but and you looked like you had some struggles on the run. How did the how did you feel about the rest of the race? You know, it was yeah. it looked tough. I'm well, obviously not happy with the result, but um, I'm happy that my struggles were on the run because I believe that's my strongest point, and I had bad sides teach, and I, I know that I, I couldn't really run because of that. But I was more worried about having a good bike against uh, people like Jan or or Alistair Brownlee. And I was really happy that I could keep up with them and uh, put myself in a good situation to try to win the race on the run. And then I failed on the run, which was supposed to be my strongest point. So, um, yeah, uh, there are a few things that I need to figure out and, 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 and improve from that race. But uh, generally, I was happy with the way I was feeling until I had that stitch. What, what do you think you're capable of running? In a normal Ironman, you, I think you ran probably 240 flat. What do you think you're capable of at a normal Ironman and also what do you think you're capable of here? Um, my experience in Kearns, I ran 2.41 and I felt that I had a terrible day on the run and the last 10k I almost ended up walking. So in a normal Ironman I think I can run way faster than that. But here it could be anything. You could, you know, it's so hard that being a good runner, does, it, it's always better than being a bad runner I guess. But anything can happen you know and uh, with the heat you can struggle you can have so many different problems in this race that it's definitely not a fast run so I'm not gonna say a time because I have a lot of respect for this race and just going through the whole marathon and run it is gonna be a big challenge and who who worries you the most at the weekend uh, well obviously there are a lot of people lots of big rivals but uh, it's my first time here and I want to focus more on myself and trying to have a good race and try to pace myself properly and then obviously see what's going on in the race and you know for me uh, I always say like Patrick Lang probably not so many people talk much about him but he's the, the you know the current champion and he 
is the person who ever who went fastest in the history of this race. So for me, is the main rival. Do you think Brownlee can hold his body together for uh, for an Ironman? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, Eisler, and I said many times as well, is the, the toughest rival I ever raced in Olympic distance. And I know he's capable of anything. It just needs to, if his body can hold the training, if he can deal well with the heat. There are many different things in this race. Many things are different than other races. So I don't know, but of course we're talking about Alistair Brownlee, so anything could happen. Awesome. You brought a lot of excitement to the race, so uh, kick butt. Yeah, thank you. Okay, we've got uh, Brent McMahon on here. Brent McMahon. Brent McMahon? McMahon. McMahon? McMahon. Ah, however you want to say it. The Canadian's so <laughs> relaxed. Uh, man who first had a streak. How many sub-eight-hour performances did you have in a row? I guess it was. Uh, it ended up being three, three in a row outside of Kona, yeah. Very impressive. So far, though, tell us about your Kona hunting ground thus far. Um, yeah, well, it's been up and down. My first year here, uh, I was top 10 and um, kind of where I wanted to be off, off the bike. Uh, my run didn't go well, but uh, still managed to get in the top 10. And so coming back the next year, you know, I wanted to get those, those pieces sorted and, and get that run dialed. And um, again, didn't have a, a great one. I was going well on the run and working my way into the top 10. And then coming out of the energy lab, things fell apart and ended up uh, getting sick and just making my way to the finish and then last year I got stung by jellyfish warming up um, so that that day ended uh, fairly quickly uh, shortly into the bike and um, you know so so it's been up and down and I haven't nailed uh, the performance here yet but I every year I've come I felt like I I've been in great shape and ready to to race for the podium so you know we haven't really changed a whole lot my coach Lance and I and um, it, it's just same same thing another year and we're just Planning on things going more smoothly, and uh, you know I've been on on Maui uh, for four weeks now, testing my nutrition and hydration plan, and I feel like I've got that nailed now, and so I think that will be what will allow me to run really fast. Well, what is your nutrition plan for the day? Um, well, this year I've decided to to put all my uh, calories into into liquid, um, and not not as a gel, um, so that I. I'm getting the combination of hydration as well as calories, and uh, and then similarly for the run, I'm going to actually use the the pro aid stations a little bit more and have my calories at the pro aid stations, and uh, and then carry on me just some extra sodium and some extra calories if I need it. So tell us how is the race different for the pros compared to the age groupers? Obviously, um, you're out there first, but uh, you just mentioned the tables there. Is there anything else that's different for the pros compared to the age groupers that you're aware of? Uh, I think one of the one of the big things is is they over these you know the last kind of decades of racing uh, the pro races actually started earlier and earlier, and uh, and we actually are getting more and more of a buffer between us and the amateurs. Um, so that's putting us earlier in the day which is cooler, less wind, um, so that, that, that's an advantage, you know, even, even 30 minutes. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously racing faster, so we're getting out of the, the heat sooner anyways, yeah. but then push our start time up, then it, it gets us even more. So, um, you know, so we have an advantage that way over the amateurs, and, you know, they, you know, you see that all the time, you know, at all the Ironmans that I do, you know, I, I'm done, and, you know, whether I had a good race or a bad race, it's, 
it's still really hot when I'm at the finish line and, and I know there's, you know, at least half the field still just getting out onto the run. Um, so, you know, the amateurs have really tough conditions. They have really, you know, a really tough day ahead of them. And sometimes the pizza might even run out at the end. Especially if I'm at the finish. That's my favorite thing to have at the end, so. <laughs> so there's quite a few rookies and I've interviewed a couple of rookies today. Um, you've, had, you've had some ups and downs in terms of your performances over here. If you were, you know, what advice would you give to pros that are at a similar level to you, they're coming out here for the first time, and they won't listen to this before the race, so it doesn't matter. What advice would you give to people um, that are going out there for the pros the first time? I think just carry a bottle of soy sauce with you and chug, chug, chug it right at the start of the bike, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're going to implement it, sounds like a good plan. Take that on, Mike Phillips. <laughs> anything, el any anything else that they might do? Um, I, I think ultimately just just trust in your fitness and your training. Um, you know, I think a lot of people they they get out onto the course with with this field and with this race dynamic, and and it is different than any other Ironman they will have done. Um, but what isn't different is your ability and your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, and I think when people start racing outside of their abilities, that's when they're going to have a terrible day here. Um, so sometimes it's it's just easier to check your ego a bit. And um, it must be very hard to do on the bike. It, it is. It is. And um, you know, and you see guys that that do it and they succeed, and you see guys that don't, and they're walking, you know, most of the marathon. Confusing. What does Mark Watson say in New Zealand? Confusing uh, ambition with ability. Um, any, just finally, any other Canadians we should be on the lookout for other than yourself? We know Cody Beals is just spanking the last couple of Ironmans he's done. Any females or any other males that we should be looking out for? Um, I think they're all out there. Everybody already knows them. There's that guy, what's his name, Lionel? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think, yeah, Lionel Sanders. Yeah. Um, no, we have a really you know strong crop of Ironman and 70.3. We have a bunch of younger 70.3 guys that are all doing really well and I think uh, you know Cody is one of them, and uh, he's just obviously made the step to to Ironman. And you know I think they're in, you know the Canadians are you know getting experience at seventy point three, and then they're stepping up to Ironman. And you know so I think you know you're going to see more Canadians come on to the Ironman circuit in the next you know three to five years, and um, you know doing really well. Have you got one? Give, it, give me one surprise pick for either males or females that's going to get in the top three, and you can't name yourself because we expect you to be there. Any surprise pick that might be just a little bit outside outside of the box on the male or female side, or somebody that you just think might step up and be just outside that? Uh, you know, I love Tyler Butterfield. He's 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 been here like so many times. He's such a good guy. He he's one of those guys that can check his ego and stick to his plan. Um, you know, and he and he's had some great races here. Um, you know, he, he ran the marathon uh, at the Melbourne Com Games, so you know his his running's going to be faster. His riding's always good. So um, yeah, I'd love to be uh, battling uh, Butterfield on the on the field. Fantastic, go Bermuda! Awesome, you have a fantastic day out there. Thank you. I got, I got Ben Hoffman here. It uh, must be a, a slightly disappointing experience this year. Tell us, tell us what's happening. Uh, slightly is one way to put it. Yeah. I know it's <laughs> brutally difficult you know to to be in Hawaii and not be racing but um, we're trying to make the most of it you know I still have an opportunity to connect with my sponsors and to hopefully learn something on race day um, you know it's 
it is strange to be here for sure and not be racing, but uh, you know, I, I did what I could to prepare and unfortunately I just went a little bit too far and injured myself in training. So, so you really think it was just pushing a bit too much? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, maybe we all got a little over anxious when we realized that it was a little more open with Jan um, out. And, you know, I, I didn't have any warning signs. It wasn't like I was ignoring some signal from my body. I just was training really hard like I always do. And one day I got off a really long bike ride and went out for, you know, a brick run. And unfortunately, I pulled up limping. And we treated it as soft tissue initially. And then I finally got an MRI and it confirmed that it was a stress fracture. So just an unfortunate thing. It's a, a really uncommon injury, actually. Um, but, you know, the good news is that it's mostly, uh, it's all bone, in fact. There's no soft tissue involved, so with the healing of six weeks, I should be back to some light training, you know, by the end of the year. And How does that change your trajectory for the next kind of 12 months? Obviously, you want to be back here next year competitive, um, and I imagine you're pretty peak fit right now. So do you, do you kind of, what's, what, what, how do you move forward from here in regards to how you look at next year? Well, the number one thing is getting healthy. I mean, I think the mistake a lot of athletes make is to rush things, and I feel like, um, it would be easy to maybe pull up and say, oh, I just want to get that last race or two in at the end of the year. And we have a long runway. That's why we're looking at it as we have an opportunity right now. There couldn't be worse timing in one way, you know, to have it be right now before Kona. But on the other hand, it gives us really the rest of the year to take our time and rebuild. Um, the main focus will be getting healthy, like I said, and then focusing on an, Iron an Ironman so that I can requalify for Kona next year. Um, so whether that's something in March or maybe April again with South Africa, we'll see. Um, but I'm not going to rush and push to do something crazy at the end of the year like in Arizona or you know something in Mar de Plata that just wouldn't make sense. You're a level of athlete who can kind of comfortably turn up to a race and win it although it's never a guarantee but what are your thoughts on what's happening with the point system going and going into the new qualification system? Well it is slightly different than um, the old slot system. I do think it's a little more challenging potentially but I did qualify in 2008 um, as well as 2009, um, 10, 11, 12, all those years were slot systems. So, you know, I think that I, I've always done one thing, which is that I focus really hard on one race and I usually show up. And unfortunately this year, it's been the first two times for an Ironman where I've shown up and I've been, you know, injured coming into it and haven't been prepared for it. But other than that, in my career of 20 plus Ironmans that I've done, um, you know, I've been prepared. So I'll just do the same thing I've always done. I'll focus really hard on one race. I'll try to get it right on the day and that should net me a spot here. One thing that's hard for triathletes, particularly of your level, is the time commitment of the sport and, and that kind of narrow focus that we need. Um, what has this time given you that maybe you wouldn't normally get? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has given me a little more time to focus on my relationship with my wife, I would say. You know, um, she's part of the family business here, you know, doing this with me. She's got my back and she's part of Ben Hoffman Racing. So um, it was good for us, I think, when we realized I couldn't be racing and uh, we just took a minute to kind of take a breather and, and maybe pull our heads out of that, you know, really narrow focus, like you said, for a minute, uh, make some plans that had nothing to do with triathlon. And then, uh, you know, I've been doing some stuff in the garage. I've been doing a little bit of welding, a little bit of woodworking and just kind of letting my mind drift a little bit and get away from the sport. And I think that's going to be really healthy come next year. It's making you kind of your hobby thing, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, something I like to do as a hobby and, and on the side. And I think, like I said, it'll be a mental recharge for me because we are. We are so focused on this and we live and breathe it every day. Um, even our sleeping could be considered part of this, you know, so. Well, good luck in getting better and hopefully we'll see you on the race line next year and I'm well, sure we will, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time. Okay, we've got one of our non-participating members of the Bahrain Endurance team, uh, Ashley Gentle. Um, what, are you, what are your experience of the island so far? Uh, I've been here for a week now, so it's been uh, quite nice to, I guess, see a little bit more than I do on the TV screen. Um, yeah, it's, it's 
hot and humid. Um, not as windy as I thought, but apparently it hasn't been windy. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I don't particularly like the cold or racing in the cold, so I'm not... We, we noticed that at Super League. Oh, yeah. Wasn't a fan of that water. No wetsuits allowed because um, obviously you have to go in and out all the time. So I was very cold. So I was actually so excited to get to a place where there was, uh, yeah, no chance of any coldness happening. <laughs> So, um, you know, you, you seem to be one of the people that might transfer really across the world to Ironman. You know, you've done your, your swim compared to the rock stars in the ITU. Is not, you're not front pack swimmer. If you came over here, guarantee you'd be not front pack swimmer, but right up there. Is Ironman on your radar? And if so, any idea of properly, possibly when? Yeah, well, I've never done a half Ironman before, but it's something which I've actually wanted to do for years, but it's just been really difficult to, you know, obviously race at a high level in the ITU circuit um, and, you know, maintain those demands, plus, you know, trying to train properly for a half Ironman. So um, I'd love to try a half Ironman sometime soon. Um, and then obviously I'd probably make the judgment whether Ironman is something that I'd like to do, but just being here and um, seeing what everyone does for it and the, I guess, uh, what's the word, just the prestige of this event, it definitely makes me, um, yeah, want to be here one day. So talk us through your, your, your mindset when you are at the ITU Worlds a few weeks ago and you had the, uh, the battle going on around you for the World Series. What were, what were you thinking and were you just holding off, holding off? Uh, did you think you could take them? What was your mindset like on the run? Yeah, it was, it's quite funny because I, I ask people that sometimes do Ironman, you know, what goes through their head because they've got a lot of time to think about everything and, and I still do in even an Olympic distance event. Um, during that run, you know, I was definitely quite aggressive and, and just wanted to be at the front the whole time and I had Katie running with me for half of it and then she dropped off and Vicky came. So I was definitely really enjoying the battle and feeling like I was really you know, in a battle because they were both vying for a world title and I loved being part of that. Um, but it was definitely parts where I had my doubts and I was like, okay, second is good enough. Then he'd be like, no, it's not, I want to win. So um, it was definitely had to stay focused and uh, yeah, once I saw that blue carpet, um, I wanted it to be mine so bad and I just sprinted for as, as hard as I could. <laughs> You, would you prefer to have a standalone world championship than the, than the series, or do you like the series component? It's just it, you, you peaked on the, the biggest day of the year, as did Vincent Louis for his second time. What, what do you prefer? Well, this year I'd prefer to stand alone. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a hard question. I think it's definitely very divided. Um, last year I was very consistent, um, and I was second in the world series rankings at the end of the year and I feel as though that if I was able to win that which wasn't possible because Flora had won so many in consecutive um, I had still won one I I'm not sure how I feel about there being a world champion crowned if they've not won a world series race um, and that obviously can happen you can have um, a lots of second places third places and even be off the podium but then still be a world champion which I guess um, is great because it's consistency but if you still never won a race it's it's quite um, different from what it used to be so I think there's pros and cons of both uh, options I guess and yeah unfortunately I, I'm not a world champion from that effort but it was definitely I guess I treated it like that and I wanted it so bad and um, yeah really happy I could produce on the grand final which is yeah the most important world series race of the year.
Got any inside picks for the female race this weekend? Everybody, you know, Haley has on everybody's lips, and we know Danielle Reef is on paper going to crush it. But any any inside gossip you've got on girls to, to really watch out for? Oh, it's so difficult. Um, there's so much that can happen, obviously, in the nine hours that they're racing. And um, obviously, Daniela is just on another level. She is absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, I think that she's going to be difficult to beat. But you can't obviously look past people like Lucy Charles, Marinda Carfrey, uh, people like Heather Jackson, Sarah Crowley, even someone like Liz Blatchford. You know, it's her last race here in Kona um, before she retires. And there's just so many things that so many athletes can offer uh, so I think that it's actually going to be a really really exciting female race. Okay well you enjoy it and hopefully we'll see you out in the course of the next couple of years. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay John let's talk about a sponsor let's talk about endurance sport travel which is Ken Glass baby and that's been going for a long time now hasn't it? It has so we're going to have an interview with Ken on Thursday I think it is uh, and this is his 35th and I'm pretty sure 35th consecutive Kona which is astounding so it really is isn't it had a long pro career but now a very long age group career and you think about all the guys of his era you know coming and going and uh, bodies breaking but he's managed to do it 35 consecutive years which is the, the wealth of experience if you are wanting to come to Kona when you've got your tour organiser knows every bloody crack on the road, every different condition you can get is awesome. And the great thing about it is it's not just Kona do lots of races all around the world and they have a great, great history and great respect from lots of people who have used them. If you are really looking for that next level of service to go to a race, you can't go wrong with these guys. You're exactly right. So they come to Kona every year and uh, just takes the hassle out of your travel. They also go to 70.3 champs every year. So I know they were over in South Africa. Next year they'll be in Nice. Uh, and when you're in those pressure cooker sort of environments, they can just take care of things. you just got to focus on the things that count. And also they can look after your family with you know extracurricular activities while you can focus on your race. They've also got uh, discounted race entries uh, to go down to Ironman Cozumel and Brazil uh, and with some discounted packages down there. So check it all out at endurancesportstravel.com and take the hassle out of going to your races. And, and, and uh, we are kind of wrapping up here, but it does really take the hassle out because a, oh. a lot of problems with races is logistics. Mm. You know, particularly if you're taking a family, if you can get yeah. someone else just to look after the logistics of it, your family can come have a good time, you know, you have a better experience. And as an athlete, you can put your focus on the race, not what's going wrong behind the race. So check out endurancesportstravel.com and we'll have a link to it in the show notes for today's show. And here comes some more interviews. Rolling. Righty ho, we've uh, arrived in Kona about 20 minutes ago and we've come straight down to the uh, Team New Zealand and Team Australia uh, brunch which is a bit of a budget cut this year, we are, it must be. because oh, it's Asia Pacific, what's all happening here? <laughs> I know, so, and I managed first person on the block for our first Kona interview is uh, Braden Curry, so welcome along to the show, Braden. Yeah, cheers guys, welcome to Kona. Uh, now last, well no, let's talk about this, this year just a little bit. Um, you know, you had obviously disappointment at Ironman New Zealand, um, not being able to race, or starting the race but not being able to finish, and then you went over to, to Cairns and uh, beat Gomez. I mean, how... Beating Gomez is one thing, but would, did, was it a perfect race over there, or how close were you to a perfect race? Um, yeah, I think the races always unfold differently, and, and that one was pretty perfect for me, to be honest. Uh, you know, just having a good swim coming out of the water with Gomez and um, that front sort of smaller group, and uh, I, I did a fair bit of work on the bike, like uh, me and T.O. sort of tried to keep that group rolling. Um, 
and I felt good and then Terenzo came through and tried to put the pressure on and um, still felt good sort of hanging in that group there and um, yeah when you come off the front of the bike you know you're there and you're onto the run leg for me that's always pretty exciting and um, just get to do kind of what I enjoy uh, at that point in time and that made for probably my perfect race. You had the race with him at Wanaka, which was a bit of a man-on-man man, man man race as well. Yeah. Like, kind of different race, but did you learn anything from that that you took to Ken's? Um, I think, I, you know, you have to take confidence from coming that close to Javier in a 70.3. Um, and Wanaka was obviously a course that I felt suited me more. Um, but I also knew Javier was going to be new to Ironman. And, um, you know, Wanaka surprised me when he passed me that he didn't just pull away. Um, he was tapped out as well. Um, so that definitely gave me confidence that, you know, over that last 5K, he, you know, he got maybe 50 metres on me. What was it 12 seconds or something? Um, so, yeah, I definitely felt like, you know, it, it wasn't going to be in Cairns when he got past me. He wasn't just going to take off. You know, he was pushing his limits too. So we, we weren't here watching last year, but we were watching online. Uh, yep. And we, I was watching you go to the front, and I was going, Brayden, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you learn last year? Um, you know, are we, do we, you obviously don't want to give away all your tactics uh, right here and now, but in hindsight, is that something you'd do again, or, or what did you sort of learn about the dynamic of the race? Um, yeah, I definitely, obviously, will take a lot away from last year's race. Uh, you know, disappointing result in the end and having the flat and the penalty sort of mix up confusion through the middle there um, and then even just the point of after that I sunk myself really deep to try and get back in the race and blew up completely on the run so you know that's learnings as well but that first part of the race um, it's it's a challenging I think last year in my mind was probably more challenging than it has been because it was just such a big front group um, you know there was I don't know, 25 people in that front group um, and I don't know if that sort of happened to be that big for quite a while, that deep. Um, so it was, a, it was an easy spot to end up kind of getting plung for penalties, or it was a hard spot to pull off kind of that front and end up, you ended up 30th wheel back. Um, so, yeah, I definitely get criticised a lot for um, <laughs> the moves that I made at the front of that race at the start, um, but... I was riding within what was my power numbers um, and I knew that if I pulled off the front I would have had to go back to 30th wheel pretty much and I didn't actually want to deal with the surges at 30th um, that I was having to deal with just running a consistent power at the front so I rolled the dice I made the decision and who knows maybe if uh, I didn't get the flat and the penalty then maybe it might have worked for me. So. We'll see if we can talk quietly while we'll carry on the start of the proceedings, but we'll just do one or two more questions. Uh, one, one more question. Um, how are you, how you feeling about this? this is the, what's, it, what's his name? Pete. 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 Yep. He's the voice of Iron Man in Australia. <laughs> He's firing people up. Maybe we'll just pause for a second, Bevan. Okay, so uh, I think uh, we've had uh, Braden sitting here for the longest ever possible interview in history, so he's record-setting even before um, we, talk. We, we talk. So firstly, the pressure is now on because um, Craig Alexander's put you in his top three. How do, how do you actually deal with pressure? Does it bother you whatsoever when people think, say things like that, or does it actually give you a bit of confidence? 
Um, I think it definitely gives me confidence, to be honest. It's, it is, you know, you, you think, oh, shit, people are picking you, but they pick you for a reason. Um, they pick you because they believe you can perform and um, getting something like that from Crowey, who's seen it all before and watches athletes go around the circle for the last 20 years. Um, and, you know, it's great confidence to think, well, he actually believes that I've got what it takes to be there at the front of the race. And, um, yeah, it doesn't actually make me that much more nervous. It actually yeah, gives me some confidence to race it. As, as an athlete, you, you, you come across a guy who loves the fight. You know what I mean? Like, you love... Like, I remember just watching you get off the bike in Monica this year. He just <laughs> pulls out. And uh, how much is that... A, a game for you to actually control that and knowing when to play and how do you make sure you get that right on the day? Um, I think with Ironman it's a little bit different at 70.3 you know you saw me race that challenge one and I feel like I can just put everything on the line in 70.3 and if he catch, someone catches me they catch me but uh, yeah racing uh, especially here um, just got to come to terms with yeah when I can try and unleash what I feel like I've got and um, you know, I, I probably haven't experienced quite that yet to be able to, to do that, but um, I, at the end of the day, uh, everyone talks about these times and Patrick's going around talking about going sub eight. Um, I don't think that's the race, you know, the, the race here for me is, is trying to race the people um, and respond potentially to their moves um, and be there to be able to respond to them. And if I have a good moment somewhere in the race where I feel like that's my time, then um, I'm just gonna have to go with my gut and pick that. Any particular part of the race you're looking forward to? Any particular really moment where you're going, right, that's where I want to nail it? Yeah, I, we all have our dreams, don't we? We always mm. see the race that we want to see. And, um, you know, obviously the run's my place that I like to excel. And um, I, you know, if I could be, you know, somewhere coming down um, the Queen K on the way out with Patrick or, um, you know, at the front of the race with Gomez, whoever else is there, then... Um, yeah, that you know that would be hugely exciting for me, and um, and that's the absolute dream. But we know the reality getting there is uh, just as hard. Awesome. We just, just heard Crowy talk about how for him family was almost his motivator, and I know you're very much a family man, and you're very much uh, responsible to the family and kind of committed to the family in this experience. What motivates you in that kind of that, the kind of darkest moment? Um, yeah, I mean, good question, but I think. Your family uh, are part of it, but I do strive on the competition, the competitiveness of it, and um, I, it's quite a weird sensation in a way because I, I, I really like Gomez, uh, you know, and Jan, and um, I haven't had much to do with Patrick actually, so I, I don't really know, but um, probably the more I like people, the more I like racing them um, oh, at yeah. the same time. Like, I, I don't have that, uh, I guess, probably Lionel Sanders uh, aggro kind of want to want to kill this person, want to want to crush them because I hate them. Um, I, def I get it more like I really respect a person and I want to be there racing with them because, um, yeah, I just really admire them and I, in a weird way, want to beat them at that point in time. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. um, I do find a lot of stimulation from the people around me, the other athletes and um, I hold them on a pedestal and if I can be there to brace them and push them hard to their max then um, that's probably where I get the most uh, stimulus to race. Awesome, oh, we're looking forward to seeing some Kiwis oh, the Kiwi. go the Kiwis, <laughs> so have a great race and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, cheers boys. Awesome mate, thanks awesome. for your time. Thanks awesome. For your time.
Okay, second on the block, we have got uh, someone who's going to lose his iron virginity. Uh, <laughs> not his iron virginity, his cone of virginity. And we've got big Heath Eckersley there as well. He's, he gets it down, Heath. We'll get you in in a second. Um, we've got Mike Phillips. So he's on debut in Kona. Uh, he's been over here for, uh, I think, a couple of weeks. What are, what are your impressions of Kona so far? Yeah, it's uh, some some parts are like what I thought it would be and some parts are a bit different. Um, it's certainly very barren out there on the bike and run courses and um, certainly very hot, which I was expecting. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, pretty much been riding and running on the course every day. Um, you know, it's an island. There's not a lot of roads out there, other roads that, well, without knowing the area a bit better. But um, yeah, it's it's been great coming early and acclimatising a wee bit. You've you've done a lot of racing in the heat in Asia. So what what's is it di- very different to Asian heat where you've done really well in some seventy point threes? I think it's actually not quite as humid as some of the Asian uh, races, but you feel the sun a bit more. Like the sun actually like on your skin, you feel it kind of burning. Whereas in Asia, it's always very muggy and and very humid. And. What have you been told about the race from your fellow pros? You know, people like Callum Millwood and, and other Kiwis and other pros that have raced. You know, what are you expecting in terms of uh, you know the swim and the bike and, and the carnage on the run? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I've heard a lot of different things from different people, but a few things have come through that everyone kind of says. Um, you know, to to be conservative and that it always plays out later on in the race, but. Um, it can also be very tactical early on, you know, in the bike, very surgy if you're in a big group and getting up on the Queen K, you don't kind of want to be sitting towards the back and going through aid stations and stuff like that. So, but I mean, until you experience it yourself, it's probably hard to know what it's actually like. So, um, yeah. And what, what are your sort of hopes and goals and expectations for the day? What is it? What does a really good day look like to you? Uh, well, I'm here to to, to learn and to experience what it's you know what it's about um, I think if I get everything as good as I can and, and perform to the best of my ability I can be somewhere in the top 10 but um, yeah it's obviously very hard to put together a race here a perfect race especially in your first time and what about on the bike you know you said if you're, you're a good swimmer so chances are you'll probably be in that main pack somewhere um, at what point is it, do, you, do you go, shit, I'm just going to have to let this go, or, or you go with it? Because you know, there's no doubt you're going to get people like Lionel Sanders coming through or Keenlay or Starkwitz is going to be slamming it. Do you have any power numbers you're going, I'm not going above that, or is, are you just going to roll with the punches as the day unfolds? Yeah, it kind of depends. Like I'll use my power a wee bit. Like, I'm, normally, I'm normally quite comfortable around 300 watts in an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously with the heat and stuff here, you know, it's a bit different. But um, also, depending on how the race is going, like if there's a big bunch up the road and, and a strong biker comes past, I might have to just sacrifice it for a bit and try and try and go with them and get back up to the front. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm there somewhere with 50k to go, I'll probably give it everything and try and uh, get a bit of a buffer on some of those guys into the run. Um, what do you, what do you you know you, you've done uh, some really good Ironman runs. Um, what do you think you're capable of from what you've seen from Ironman races around the world to what you can actually translate to here? You know, you're often sort of two fifth, mid two fifties ish, low two. Yeah, I've sort of I've done three Ironmans now, and I've been between two fifty and two fifty three. Yeah. So I mean, my training here is like my heart rate and my pace is very similar to what it's been uh, in other places so 
like I don't as long as I get my nutrition right I think I can be somewhere in that range maybe you know a couple of minutes slower or something but um yeah it depends if I start the run in a in a well hydrated and with enough nutrition on board that I can um, keep going but if you have a rough patch I can see why uh, some people really blow out here. What, what do you do for your race nutrition? Uh, just liquid only, um, gels and, and drink. Keep it simple. Awesome, oh, we've got a good Kiwi contingent here in the pros with you and uh, Braden um, and Brownie and unfortunately no Terenzo and Callum. Um, so good luck and go and kick some ass. Yeah, cheers John. I think it's um, it's pretty exciting having that many Kiwis and hopefully we can uh, challenge some of the Euros. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, thanks Mike. Cheers John. John, our second sponsor today is? Huso. So it's a patented proven technology using individual sound frequencies sourced from human toning. So think Tibetan monks. Restores your body's state of health. It's a system that uses headphones and pads and wrists. So you think, I'm lying down, got a set of headphones on, got a couple of uh, sensors around my wrists and ankles. And essentially it's a non-invasive way, improves your focus and mental clarity during workouts and competitions, speeds up your recovery post-race and significantly improves sleep quality, reducing stress and anxiety. So they've got a stand at the expo if you are listening to this over in Kona. Uh, if you're not listening to it, uh, or if you're not in Kona uh, you can also check it on out online at thisishuso.com and uh, they've got a special going on this week. Use the promo code KONASOUND50 and you get $50 off uh, that runs through to the end of the month. Now we're going to go and interview these guys probably t- tomorrow, so you can hear more on tomorrow's show about exactly what happens. You've had a bit of a listen to an interview, Bevan, um, but essentially I think this is, could be a fantastic tool, and I did look into the science not just to see if this was airy-fairy stuff, mm. but there is some really good science backing it up just in terms of calming you down, improving your sleep, and just relaxing. And if that can transfer across to better sleep quality, more clarity, more calmness going into your training and racing, it's going to be a good thing. Well, you, you, you know, I've, done, I've meditated for years, and a meditation I do is a mantra, and which is basically just vibrations, really, and that's mm. what you get taught when you do your meditation. And I've got to say that meditation has been one of the most important tools in my life, and, and I haven't a chance to use this yet, so I can't really judge it yet, um, but from if, if this is a more enhanced version of that, man, it's going to be pretty valuable. So, and, and let's be honest, most athletes live with a high level of stress. We might be happy people, but just the stressful demands we put ourselves under. So any aid that we can use that's going to help us not be stressed and have better energy for life and training, the better it is for everyone. Oh, so, Walter's, Walter's in the house. Hey, Walter. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so like these tools can be a great way just to keep you in a better place for your training. But we are going to go into more details tomorrow when we actually get an interview with these guys because I'm really fascinated to actually have a go um, and kind of give some feedback based on that after that. So check it out. Huso and this is huso.com or go to the the marquee at the expo area and remember discount code is what John? Kona Sound 50. Good times rock and roll, check it out. Okay, we've started the show with a few um, of the, the pros, some of the Kiwi pros, but we wanted to get some age groupers on as well. We've got Dave McLaughlin here, and I uh, wanted to keep it real with some of the age groupers because we know some people out there, they're, uh, they're age groupers, but they, they train full-time or they're coaches. Uh, and uh, so D- Dave's got a family, and he's also got a full-time job. Um, so Dave, just tell us a bit about yourself and your, and your sort of set-up and, um, on the home front. Okay, I'm a 51-year-old uh, male, naturally. Um, <laughs> people can't tell that when it's podcasting, and some people have different voices. Uh, yes, yeah. I can confirm he is a male. Okay, cool. Um, I've got two kids, um, one's seven and one's 12. 
um, I'm self-employed. Uh, I restore old classic motor vehicles, oh, so nice. uh, American muscle cars, basically. Oh. And I've done that since I was 18. Ah. Have you seen any over here so far that you want to take back over to New Zealand to restore? Oh, all the, <laughs> there's plenty. Yeah. Every time I go to the mainland US, anywhere American orientated, there's plenty of American vehicles. Yeah. Uh, so tell us your triathlon story, you know, you're, you're here in Kona, um, how long have you been in the sport and, and how long has it taken to get here? Okay, it all started with one of my customers that introduced me to the sport. Um, I was trying to give up smoking, lose weight. Um, I started riding my mountain bike to and from work in 2010 yep. and, uh, and that's where it basically started. I thought I was doing a lot of training then, it's nothing compared yeah. to now. So. <laughs> And in terms of getting into try, uh, how long did that take? So you started in uh, 2010. Yep. Um, how so long was it for it, you, your it, first try? Actually, into triathlon, the first one was in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I started with an actual um, try-try first, mm-hmm. and then up to a standard distance triathlon in the same year, and then through to a half Ironman. Nice. Um, the following year I set my goals on trying to achieve a full Ironman. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, just come a little bit closer to the mic there. Yeah. Uh, um, tell us about your first first, first full Ironman, how that went. Um, <laughs> it was an am- amazing feeling um, just to, to cross the finish line. It was a big journey and my goal was just to complete it. I mm. didn't care about time, anything like that. It was just to show my f- family, friends, um, at this stage I'd stopped smoking, I'd lost 30 kilos in weight and I achieved the crossing the finish line at an Ironman. And what, what was your time first time around? Uh, 11.52. 11.52, so uh, that was at 2015? Uh, 2014. 2014? Yep. Okay, um, so did that give you the bug uh, yes. and going right? That's where, oh that's where it started. From there it was like, oh, I think I might be able to go a little bit faster yep. and um, uh, I sat down with my family and said, how do you feel about me carrying on this journey? And they've supported me 100%. Awesome. And I have a business partner at work. I sort of spoke to him about it, saying that I'm really enjoying this and I want to try and go a little bit better. I don't know where it's going to lead me, yeah. but I just want to give it a give it a try and I just need to be able to juggle things around. I'm going to go get a coach yeah. and um, and go down that track. So... With yeah, so so you did that, and so then what what did it take for you to get uh, where you did that first one, eleven fifty, whatever it was, eleven fifty two? Um, how much work did it take for you to get to there to, to qualifying? Because obviously that was a two year, I guess, a two year journey. Okay, so the uh, following year I set a goal for the two fifteen Ironman. Um, I got a coach mm-hmm. and uh, Rob Dallimore from Foot Traffic, and. Um, yeah, I, I trained, trained, went to that race, and uh, I did a 10.46. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still uh, quite a way off, like, placing-wise. I think I placed, like, 22nd in uh-huh. my age group at that yeah. time. And at that stage, I was in the 45- to 49-year-old age group. Mm-hmm. All the age groups are competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the 40s are yeah. tricky. Yeah. And... Um, so the following year I took off, um, I had a house to do up, 
you know, like kitchens, bathrooms, and mm-hmm. I spent the year uh, doing that with the aim to come back when I'm uh, ageing up to the 50-year-old yep. age group. So yep. 2.17 was the year yep. that I tried, and um, same deal, we sat down again. Yep. It's a team effort, family, yep. <laughs> my business partner. We set a plan in place, and... Um, my coach Rob and into it again yeah. um, I qualified to go to Canada for try uh, New Zealand yes. and represent New Zealand and I was four seconds off qualifying to come to Kona that year oh, no. <laughs> I finished fifth um, and yeah did you know that when you were racing no no oh, idea no. Um, I'd always like with my experience I just based it off times yeah. and that particular year at Taupo, the weather conditions were horrendous. Yeah. So I come out of the swim, I'd swum a 118. Yeah. I'd done all this training and swam like eight minutes slower than I'd normally swim. Yeah. The bike was the same as the, um, two years previous when I raced. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I've done all this training and I'm not there. But what I didn't realise was when I crossed the finish line, after that that everyone else was in the same boat and the times were all relevant and uh yeah a big learning curve for me Ah. okay so fast forward one one more year um did you when you rolled around the next year and you've obviously qualified now did you actually perform better or perform at a similar level and it was just the way the card sort of unfolded or or have you taken another lift up this year I think I've taken a lift up, but I think also weather conditions were perfect this year at Taupo, mm-hmm. and um, so I managed a 10.03. Nice. Yeah. So, um, and finished second in the age group. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was <laughs> I, I'm still smiling about <laughs> it, you know, it's still, uh, it's still sort of hard to believe that this could actually happen, you know, because you see these things, you want them. Yeah. But making them happen are a different different deal. Did you know that you had it when you were coming down the finishing chute in terms of, because if you're second, you're pretty much guaranteed a slot. Yep. Did you know it at that stage or did you have to sort of uh, wait until afterwards and, and sort of see how things unfolded? Yep. So, so after the year of finishing fifth and four seconds behind fourth spot, mm. um, me and my wife decided we'd get a whiteboard. Yeah. She'd track the race a little bit more and she would give me an indication of spots yeah. when I was out on the thing. So if I did have anything in the tank, yeah. <laughs> I knew where I was at and to try and give it my all. Excellent. And uh, so when I s- started the from transition bike to run, um, I was in eighth spot. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I was starting through the run by the second lap of the run I'd run down to fourth spot Yeah. and she was holding up this board and I kept going through my mind all I've got to do is just hold fourth spot yeah. hold fourth spot and um, so I kept running kept running and the next thing um, Rob my coach was yelling out you've just run into third you know and yeah, yeah. as I was passing different people I was getting told like just you can't explain all the feelings that are happening and um I just kept looking at the ground, like keep one foot, keep one foot going, keep yeah. one foot going. I just got to finish this race now. I'm almost there, you know. Yeah. And um, as I came around to the to the finish shoot, I seen one more person there, and as I ran past, that was second spot, oh, like wow. within a hundred meters of the finish oh, wow. line. It was just 
yeah, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it was just, yeah, the way it unfolded. So what's made the difference for your training? You know, Rob will have helped you a lot in terms of, you know, having a good program to follow, but in terms of how much actual training have you been doing and has, has there been particular areas that have made a really big difference? Because there'll be a lot of people listening to this going, I want to be doing that, I want to be doing that. So what, what is it, the, the main things that have, you think have helped you improve so much? For me... Uh, as hard as it is, you have to put the training first and, mm. and the times when you do train. Mm. So at, for me, I found the first couple of years I would be training before work and trying to be at work at 8 o'clock mm. and, and after work, after I put the kids to bed and all that, which was after 8 o'clock at night, mm. um, the quality of the training wasn't there to what I've put in now. Mm-hmm. So... I still probably did a similar a similar amount of training as in hours a week, mm. but just the intensity and the quality of the training. So what I've done this year through the support of the family and that is to make sure that I train with the group more often, mm-hmm. and which meant sacrificing kids' sports on a Saturday morning and yep. stuff like that. Um, I get to work a little bit later and make sure I do my training first thing in the morning. That way it gives me my family time at night. Absolutely. And then if I've got anything after that, I'll put that back into work. So after 8 o'clock when the kids are in bed, I do my paperwork or whatever it takes to to, to make up the rest of the day. So generally doing one session a day but making it a good one in the morning or still doing two sessions? Still doing two sessions and um, I try and combine them or if it was the night that the kids don't have soccer training or they do taekwondo and all that. So if it's a night that they don't have um, anything on, then I'll split the session yep. up and because I can do that and be back home yeah. and still see them before they go to bed yeah yeah so I guess one of the key couple of the key things is be I guess communication you sound like you're a really good communicator in terms of getting the, the family on board and also getting your work colleagues on board communication is the key like mm. every uh, there'd be some nights because things are hustling around that quick you don't get to relate what's going on the next day mm. um, so I do my swim training in the morning Mm-hmm. Straight on my mobile phone as I'm driving to work to my wife, yeah. and uh, say, "What have I got to do tonight? Where, uh, you know, yeah. who have I got to drop off, pick up? Where have I got to be? Times? This is what my training schedule is, yeah. and we'd make that plan up daily, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and for the weekends, depending on the sessions, if uh, my daughter's netball and my son's soccer aligned at the same time I'd call on my mum or yeah. my wife's parents yeah. can, can you help friends yeah. and we'd just juggle sessions around and is your wife over, is wife over here with you or not? Yes, she is. Good. And nice. she deserves a great holiday. Yeah. <laughs> She's been the backbone to the to the whole thing. You know, oh. I might do all the hard yards training. Yeah. But she's definitely doing a lot juggling family. Yeah. Um, my times and that around all that. So oh, sounds like a wonderful woman. Well, yeah. um, I guess you've been here a little bit now. What what have you? What are you enjoying the most about the Big Island? And, and is there anything that surprised you? And you're going, holy shit, that's going to be rough. Is highs and lows so far? Okay, uh, the lows was riding in the heat on Saturday yeah. out Harvey. I, I haven't experienced anything like that. I'm, 
I'd never swum without a wetsuit before. Oh, my no. fear coming here was like, other than the pool, yeah. my fear coming here was like, man, am I going to actually be able to get through the swim? Yeah. I did the swim on Saturday. Yeah. First time without a wetsuit. And uh, I swam an hour 15. Nice. I was wrapped. Yeah. I felt comfortable. I enjoyed it. I, you know, it was just such an amazing swim. The swim in this particular race is becoming my highlight. I'm yeah. nervous about the heat now. Yeah. And um, and I guess probably the final thing would be is is, is the race for you uh, as much about performing to your absolute best or is it more about enjoying it and, and having it as a bit of a honeymoon in terms of, you know, you've got here and just making sure you enjoy it or are you out there to go balls to the wall and, and full noise? Um, I've trained to race the race. Mm. Um, being here now, I definitely just want to complete the race. Yeah. And I'm going to let the day unfold for me. Yeah. And so if I get out of the swim and I'm feeling really good, yeah. um, and get on the bike and the bike's feeling comfortable, then I'll push. But knowing that I've, I just want to get to the finish line too. Mm. Like it's a, it's been a big effort. So cool. completion is first. Um, but if the day shows me that I can go better, then I'll. I'll let that unfold at the end. Excellent. Mm. Oh, thanks to Coach Rob Dallymore from uh, Foot Traffic, who we've had on the show before. Uh, fancy for, feet. Yep, fancy, fancy <laughs> feet. <laughs> fast, <laughs> fast, fancy feet. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll hear from him uh, <laughs> the next few days because he's he's suggesting getting Dave on, and, and really fun talking to you because you're you know you're the epitome of what we age group racing. We love it, and you've got a good attitude and good family unit. So uh, nice work. Cool. Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Okay, John, so that's, the interview's done for now, but it's a quick little more, couple more plugs. Uh, so Lava Java, fantastic place. If you are in Kona and listening to this, it might be a bit late, but we will be down there on Wednesday morning. Um, fantastic salads, healthy foods. You can go to so many crappy places in uh, in Kona in terms of you get just let down with salads. And that's uh, the problem salads. in America. No, no, nothing gets the Americans, but often their salads are worse than their bloody normal meals. Yeah, you know, it was good, good salad. Good, good portions. Good size meals uh, and just a cool place right on the water if you ever come over to Kona. And uh, if you get the guy who did our service today, he was top notch. He was top notch. I, I might say he may be one of my best waiters in my life. Really? Oh, he was so he friendly. Was he, he came from radio, so he had a great voice. Yeah. His service was spot on. Like, honestly, I don't know the guy's name, but he was he was he was a treasure to their staff. And they're, they're at their new venue now, which is heaps bigger, and you still look out over the sea. So check out Lava Java. If you're coming to the island some other time, go to islandlavajava.com. And we also want to give a bit of plug to our, our traditional sponsor, Extreme Endurance. Yes, so athletes are going to be coming and getting some free samples from us over the next few days. Fuel 5 is what they'll be getting. If you've never heard of Extreme Endurance before, fantastic tool for aiding your recovery and also enhancing your racing. You can use the promo code IMTALK20 and get 20% discount. So check it out, xendurance.com. They also have their EU and .ie websites as well. We're going to talk about patrons in a second, John, but one of the cool things about being a Kona is it, the, the, the fame spotting. Mm-hmm. Like when we were at Lava Java earlier this afternoon, who did we see? Mark Allen. Mark Allen's just having lunch. Mm-hmm. And then Leander Cave just walked past. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, that's the cool thing about this week. You just hear everybody, everybody, the people rock everybody. stars. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, Dave Scott, when we were driving all right. here this morning, you're just seeing all these rock stars of the sport. And, and the great thing about the sport is it's pretty accessible. You know, like, oh, yeah. you know, you can go up to Mervian, it's pretty cool. But before we talk about 
the rest of today, we just want to say uh, patrons. So what, what's, what's a patron, Sean? So, yeah, huge thanks to the people that are patrons. They can, you know, donate to our show with some patronage. Uh, you can come in at five bucks a month, which is, you know, one coffee a month supports us uh, doing what we do. Also gets you to in the draw to come to Kona every second year. Come in at ten bucks a month, so a couple of coffees, uh, and then you can get a fantastic I Am Talk swim camp, and there's levels above that as well, and you get uh, different gifts. But it's a way that you guys kind of treat out what we do. It's a bit of like a magazine subscription, uh, and that way we keep rolling what we're doing. If you're a new listener, we also have our other podcast, Legends of Triathlon, which is a bit more sporadic, um, but yeah, it just keeps us doing what we do every week. Okay, and we have do actually have a new patron, John, and tell me about her. So we've held this one off till today because it was a special one. It's actually a gift from her husband. Oh, that's the so greatest gift of all time. It is indeed. Uh, now, her name is Meredith Bachman. So happy birthday, Meredith, for this week. Happy birthday to you. She, uh, so her husband, Paul, sent this in. She's just finished her fourth Ironman, coming ninth in her age group at Ironman Italy in the 40 to 45. Uh, she came third in Langkawi back in 2016. So she's a rock star. Yeah, she's been trained in, Th- in Thailand with Z Coaching, specialising in Monday night karaoke with Jürgen Zach. <laughs> uh, he loves his karaoke. We know that about Jürgen Zach. We float around Europe most of the time, though, uh, spending the last few years in the Pyrenees um, with Alonzi bike tours and in the Dolomites. Shout out to Chris, Rachel, and Orla. If anyone wants great atmosphere to train, and then head to Thailand and hang out with Jürgen and Sue, absolute legends. We cycled across America in 2016 slowly and tried to balance sport with food, wine, and having fun. As it turns out, Mer- as it turns out, Meredith played for the second ever female rugby union side, and got smashed by the Kiwis uh, about 100 points back in the day. But we still listen to you guys. She's a great triathlete. Yeah, religiously, <laughs> despite our historical bias, she also ran 12 marathons in 12 days in 2015, and has a mental game like no other. Uh, so we've come up with her birthdays on the 11th of October. So hopefully this gets to her on time. And so Bevan came up with a great name. So it's Meredith Bachman, and he's gone big bopper. Big, big bopper, bopper Bachman. Because she bops you out when she comes past you in the race. Mm. The big bopper, the big bopper. Uh, what an awesome athlete. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Good, what, Nice work, Paul. He actually donated this to Meredith for her birthday. And I've got to say, it sounds like Meredith is the kind of person who just, you know, I always go back to that Mike Plant interview we did on Legends, and he just said, um, one of the greatest things about the sport is just that sense of adventure. You know, that seeking adventure and seeking challenge. And looking at her kind of repertoire here of what she's done, it seems like she's the kind of person who goes, here's a challenge, I'm going to take it on. And uh, Meredith... Nice work. Yeah, well done. Happy birthday. Okay, John. So if you want to be a patron, go to me, and it's all very clear on the website. John, day one, done. Day one done. Just if you do want, you know, like the sound of coming to Kona, I run a camp out here every May, which combines in with the 70.3, oh, you're which right. is fantastic fun. We get to see all parts of the island. You get to ride the course, swim the course, run all over the Ironman course, and then a race included. So check that out at epiccamp.com. Bevan, day one down. We were, we're only half down. It's 1.16. I've got to go and pick up our next interviewee. So. I, like, I, like, I, I think Mike, because Mike is the champion. Pizzle yes. Sizzle. Yeah. Uh, he won the trip to come to Kona with the boys this year as a patron. And he said, he said you guys actually work quite hard here, don't you? We're only four <laughs> hours into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. We work really hard. So, <laughs> so they are pretty big days, but it's cool to get these interviews out to you. Uh, so today we're, we're halfway through the day. Some of the interviews you've already heard, we've recorded after this fact. But just first, first thoughts on the day, John? 
oh, there's just people everywhere, lots of rock stars everywhere. Good feel. It's just good to be back. And just I had a look through Torsten's tryrating.com on the plane before, just looking through the men's field just and the females' field, but more so on the men going, there's so many guys here that could potentially be in the top ten. Uh, it's just a stacked field, so looking forward to seeing who can get on the podium, but also who can get through into the top ten. So looking forward to that. Also looking forward to seeing how fast Daniela Reef can go and... Uh, and the battle for second place is going to be intriguing. In, in the females' race? Mm. Yeah, yes. Oh, what an interesting. Like, Fredino not being here sucks, mm. but it makes it fascinating, it doesn't does. it? Yeah, it really does. So, we'll be back tomorrow. So, basically, what's going to happen over the next few days is we'll release a show every day except for race day. And what we do is release our, our post race interviews and what happens on the race day the day after the race. So, we're releasing that as well. So, keep it, just keep going back to our website or keep going back to your, your pod feeder each day and just see as we release a new show each day. And it'll come out Hawaii nighttime. So, that was kind of when we'll release them each day. So, uh, we'll see you tomorrow and if you want to spread the word about the show just go on Twitter Facebook let people know what we're doing if you know someone who likes triathlon or Ironman in general John I'm Russ I'm Indo Train hard Train smart Kia kaha. Kaha.